the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons coming to us live from Fort Lauderdale, the home of CBS Sports HQ and CBS Sports HQ's signing day coverage. More on that in just a little bit. I'm Chip Patterson uh, here in Raleigh. Barton, you are recording in the Thunderdome where, uh, where where many battles, like win total battles, I guess, have taken place. Uh, how's How are things around there and how are you feeling as we're uh, counting down to signing day? Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready, excited. Uh, this has been. I mean, the thing about signing day, the early signing period, it's it has become as active and consequential as the February signing period has ever been, and it's going to be as much drama and um, surprises and and everything else that we've seen. It's just that. They plop it down right here in the middle of Christmas shopping, elf on the shelf hiding, uh, you know, family Christmas party having, bowl season preparing, postseason recapping. Like this, this is just like the the build up, the ramp up, the hype, the hype lead is is just it's hard to to really get it rolling, and so. I'm certainly ready for it, uh, and I think everyone else is just going to have to sort of um, go sort of exposure therapy and just just sink or swim and dive in and deal with it. Um, we'll we'll recap you and, and and catch you back up afterwards, but um, Wednesday is going to be a uh, a shock to the system for some. Hey, you know what? I it it works for me based on my natural rhythms because this is a. Uh, this is about winter exam time. And you know what I was normally doing around winter exam time? Cramming. Cramming. Learning a whole lot of things that I did not know before I cracked open that textbook. Like maybe the textbook for the class didn't have as many creases in it as you might have thought. And so I'm going to be, I'm, I'm on call. I haven't gotten my exact marching orders. You are going to be there uh, on CBS Sports HQ. Early signing day, of course. Uh, CBS Sports HQ is your destination for the most in-depth coverage as the nation's top prospects put pen to paper. Starting at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, CBS Sports HQ will have live reactions to all the signings, all the flips, updated team rankings in real time and analysis from Barton, Steve Wiltfong, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn, and many more. Tune into CBS Sports HQ for free through the CBS Sports app on your phone or on Roku, Amazon Fire, 
or Apple TV devices. Just go to the CBS Sports app. You'll find CBS Sports HQ. It's all for free. 9 a.m. is when it starts. We're also, of course, going to have extensive coverage on CBSSports.com, 247sports.com, and MaxPreps.com. CBS Sports, it's your home for all things early signing day. So I'm I'm cramming and I'm, I'm trying to get my... Uh, trying to get all, all my storylines in order might might get tapped to uh to come hop in and, and do a little ACC talk but as you're um as as we've started to see some of the the coaching carousel s- slow just a little bit we've started to see the coordinator carousel also make some changes hey, are any of those pieces moving right now that have you looking at potential decisions that are going to be made or commitments that are going to be made where like a, a Sam Pittman now all of a sudden is going to be trying to make some moves on on somebody now that he's at Arkansas or you know how much damage is Lane Kiffin going to be able to do to some of the other neighboring classes given his arrival at Ole Miss like as because we have not yet reach the point where it's time to grade press conferences, but things have at least slowed on the coaching carousel just a little bit. How are those two Venn diagrams of your interests colliding right now? Yeah, the, the press conference um, review evaluation is forthcoming. we got got a lot of legwork to do before we're ready to roll that out. I know everyone is, is anxiously awaiting it. I feel like I, that, that might be more of a, a self-serving than anything else. I'm just a freak about it. But the, I, I think honestly, I'm interested in two things. The Sam Pittman deal, like he's got a lot to, he's got a lot to grow and build, and and he's he's got work to do at Arkansas. So I think Sam Pittman's arrival at Arkansas is probably going to be less of a storyline initially than maybe just the question of how will that departure hurt Georgia or or. How difficult will it be for Georgia to weather that departure, uh, particularly the offensive line? I mean, I think it's already they lost one commit. Joshua Braun decommitted, offensive lineman committed to Florida. Uh, another offensive lineman, Broderick Jones, one of their top offensive line commits, is is looking like he is likely going to hold off until signing in, until February. Uh, Auburn trying to make a run there. So I just think the uh, the sort of that departure and, and Matt Luke's come in quickly and credit Kirby smart for making that hire quickly. And he'll, he'll be, he'll be fine. But Sam Pittman was a big reason why those guys chose Georgia. And so I'm just interested in seeing if, if Georgia will be able to keep, keep everything intact moving forward there. Um, other elsewhere, like I think Mike Norvell at, at Florida State probably is the most interesting one to watch because you know, Florida State's in there at 26 in the country. He didn't have a lot of work, didn't have a lot of time to get it rolling before the early signing period, but he he came in with a plan like a couple days in, and we all know, or we, maybe we don't know, but you should know, Willie Taggart went two consecutive recruiting classes without signing a high school quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell was a commit when Walt Bell left for the Florida State head coaching job, their former offensive coordinator, Sam Howell, a North Carolina native, got picked off by uh, uh, Mac Brown at, at, at UNC. And we all know the kind of year Sam Howell had. Um, those are the sort of missteps that kind of doomed Willie Taggart era. So, all right, so Mike Novell comes in. He's got to fix that. So 
right off the bat, Jeff Sims, a Florida State commit, decommits from uh, Florida State. Looks like he's probably going to end up at Georgia Tech now. And you, you sort of you wonder, all right, well, that's not off to a good start. But then you start to sort of realize, all right, this was actually a calculated move. They're going to bring in two quarterbacks. I'm not sure how much they liked Jeff Sims to begin with. Jeff Sims wants to be the guy. He's out. In comes Tate Rodemaker, who's a really good group of five commit at USF that I think is a stud out of South Georgia that Mike Norvell clearly had identified. Now they might flip Chuba, Chuba Purdy, who's a Louisville commit, who's Brock Purdy's younger brother, the Iowa State mm. commit or Iowa State quarterback that's had a good career through the last two years. So, like, they're all the, the machine is in motion. The gears are turning. Mike Norvell has a plan. Um, they they had a big official visit weekend this past weekend. Did some good work. Uh, secured some commitments. Cut loose another offensive lineman. Um, so he's, I mean, he's he's making moves. He's getting rid of guys. He's bringing guys in. And I think they're going to get the right group, um, and it's just going to be interesting to see how much more work he can get done before the early signing period, and how much is left, how much meat's left on the bone in, in the second session in, in January. Do you find yourself a little bit more bullish on the Norvell Florida State storyline than most? I've been bullish from the jump. Like yeah. that was that was when that job came open. That was the first name I tweeted, um, and and the that I put out into the. The interwebs was this. This is the guy that makes sense to me. Um, I think Norvell is going to be great there, and he's already hired a coordinator in Kenny, Kenny Dillingham. He's already hired um, the uh, uh, was it Adam Fuller, the the defensive coordinator from Memphis. Yep, uh, as well. I, I think he's going to he's keeping Odell Hagens. He's keeping Ron Dugans, two FSU kind of lifer assistants. I, I think he's going to crush it. Because he's, you know, he's not just some play caller. Uh, I think that Mike Norvell is a guy that's a CEO. I think he's going to be very adept at handling the job from recruiting, from fundraising, coaching, scheming, all of it. I just think he's equipped to handle all of it. And I think you got to have someone like that at Florida State. I think that, I don't don't think that, you are like more bullish than everyone else. Like you're leading the charge, but I do, I, I do think that's insightful. Like it is challenging me to even go back and back. Have I, have I overlooked what Florida State is? Because it's very easy to pay it lip service. Florida State, it's one of the jobs where you can win national championships. It's one of the jobs. It's one of the ten best jobs in the country. Absolutely, Mike Norvell. He is, you know, he's lost key playmakers and replaced them. He's lost coaches and he's replaced them, and he still maintained this consistent level of championship contention at Memphis that deserves a lot of attention. And and yet, I think that for a massive program, championship contending potential brand like Florida State within the conversation of college football, the the chances that we are going to be watching, especially here on early signing period, steps one of Florida State, uh, step one of Florida State returning to national championship contention, it feels like it's falling like a below-the-fold story. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we're like, this is the timeline right now. This is what it's about. Like, we're, this. it's not really a convenient time for coaching hires. Not as convenient of a time to talk about coaching hires as it is in January. Um, and Mike Norvell may be a bust at Florida state. I think the reason that I'm bullish on Mike Norvell is I, I've, I've, I'm familiar with his coaching staff. I've been familiar with his coaching staff. 
Um, and I know coaches that don't, you know, um, talk bad about their head coach, but you can sort of sense when there's not as much confidence as, in a head coach as the record might suggest. Right. Like, they think he's a good coach, but I'm not sure if we're going to take like the next step with oh, this guy. There's national championship winning coaches who won't get compliments from their staffs. Right, right. And so I think part of like the, the staff around Mike Norvell has always been very bullish about how good he is at his job. So that's part one. You know, I've, sp- I've spoken at like the Memphis Touchdown Club before, um, w- like where Mike Norvell spoke, you know, the, the meeting before I got there. And like people, that sort of group, that sort of booster type group is like blown away by him. Um, so I, ju- I think it's more than just sort of what you see on the field. To me, it's and, and you can only trust sort of what you're what you what you're told. I'm not sitting there in the, in the team meetings, but, uh, I, I, what I've, I've not heard really a negative on Mike Norvell as a coach. Um, one of the power five jobs that has been announced since the last time we joined you here on the podcast, Jeff Havley is introduced as the Boston college head coach. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, just like an award season, the critics try to, to jump on whatever they think is going to be sweeping it. Did you get a chance to watch Jeff Halfley's press conference? No, it's it was getting rave reviews on the yeah. Twitter. It's he burnt he he brought it all. He absolutely brought it all. A lot of passion, a lot of intensity, a lot of references to when Boston College was at peaks and high points, talking about trying to make it a top 25 program, you know, all, all the good stuff, but with, with a good amount of um, passion behind it. So as you, you know, t- we've got time before we grade the press conference. What, hey, what, what are we thinking as the Ohio State defensive coordinator is now going to be taken over at BC? Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm probably, should I apologize for being particularly positive on most of these coaching hires? Like at some point we have to decide one is a bad one, right? I think that all opinions on coaching hires right after the fact are incredibly temporary because whether or not those coaches are successful are dependent not on the decision right now, but on tons of factors both in and out of their control over the next three years. Right. So, But we're tasked with it. We got to come up with the opinions. Yeah. Because I guess I haven't really condemned any coaching hires yet. And that's not really my style because I think for the most part, I mean, everyone, like when, when we do our coaching rankings for the Power Five programs in the country, all 65 of those coaches arrived at that program because of some really strong reputation or really strong track record of success at a previous program. All of these guys are good. And so you know, maybe we could predict that Chad Morris wasn't going to be successful on the front end, but I think, you you know, you're inclined to think optimistically about many of these. So I think that, so after apologizing for like being overly positive about all these guys, I I think that Jeff Halfley is a great hire too. I think because first of all, he has some familiarity with BC. He is one of these guys sort of like Ryan Day who just, comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden you realize that every coach that's ever worked with him has this incredible opinion of him um and so i've not been coached by him but a bunch of his peers sure seem to think the world of him so there's that uh i also 
sort of have a little bit of an idea of of who else was in the running for that job. And I think it was a lot of guys that are really good coaches and that Jeff Halfley appears to have been the front runner from the start and was sort of the guy that they were very clearly the most excited about from the start uh, and throughout tells me that he's he makes a pretty strong impression on a person when you're sitting face to face with him. So I, yeah, I, I think this is probably going to work out pretty well. I think that there are easy ways to point to the connection because isn't Boston College Boston College's athletic director has Ohio State ties? Yeah, yeah, he was like an associate AD at, at Ohio State. You you could definitely sort of see how the the open channels were there and how we might have arrived there. With Jeff Halfley getting the Boston College job is a great opportunity because he could have the same kind of records that Steve Adazio had, but because he's at a different point in his career, right, is going to get more leeway. Definitely. And and that's a that that's an opportunity to build and elevate the program because that's the if you're Boston College if you're a Boston College fan, you just hope that Jeff Halfley's gonna come in and those six and six and seven and five seasons are gonna feel different because he's just getting his feet under him. He's just starting to build the program out in his image. The challenge for Jeff Halfley is going to be that when you are in the division with Florida State that's trying to load up with Mike Norvell, with Louisville that's headed in a great direction with Scott Satterfield, Cle- oh, by the way, Clemson, Dave Clawson's got Wake Forest coming. It is it is going to continue to be really, really tough, and, uh, and, and, and BC and Jeff Halfley are going to have their hands full to deliver, I think, even Steve Adazio-like uh, even Steve Adazio like results. And and that's where I'm not going to bag the hire, but I will say that while I I think that Jeff Halfley has clearly gotten great reviews and has put together a product with his coaching so far to make me believe that he is a good football coach, I do think the circumstances of the Boston College job make it tough for me to go all the way in and say Boston College is going to be a top 25 program. I don't know if Boston College is going to be in the final season AP top 25 in the next three years. You got to set your goals high. I totally understand it. And I'm not bagging the hire, but I do think that that Boston College job is tough that when you're bringing in a coach who is going to get some leash and some leeway, that's a good thing because I don't see him delivering on top 25 within the next three to four years. Yeah, to your point, I, 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 I talked to somebody – um, secondhand, I talked to someone who spoke to someone about the BC job, um, and uh, a- asking them, "Are you are you in the mix to get that head job?" And the the person said, uh, "Oh, you mean the twelfth best job in the ACC? Nah, I'm good. Mm. Like, you know, like it's 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 not an easy gig, um, and it's it's, and and I think that." It's from the bits and pieces I heard from the his presser. I think I don't think Jeff Half. I think Halfley was very clear. Sort of like top twenty five is sort of their goal initially, at least. Um, and if you can get that program to perennial top twenty five, then that's I think that's that's a that's a success. And I think BC fans will take it. I don't think yeah, they're asking. That I agree. Playoffs. I think they'll they will be very satisfied with the occasional upswing to nine wins. Uh, and uh, and 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 feel like that's success. Um, On the assistant coaching carousel, former Rutgers head coach Chris Ash lands as the new Texas defensive coordinator. 
But the offensive coordinator job, you know, it was the smoke signals were sent. Everybody was talking. It was Texas. It was USC. Where's Graham Harrell going to go? He decides that he's going to stay with USC, agrees to a new multi-year deal. I guess for uh, the Longhorns first, or just between those two, which which one got you moving uh, as you're looking at the assistant coaching carousel? Well, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. If I'm, not that I had, I was just assuming he was going to stay with USC Ooh. because aren't you sort of jumping out of the frying pan into the fire? Not that Tom Herman is on the hot seat, but from the outside looking in, unless Graham Harrell has some sort of insight that we don't, and he probably does, but it, it doesn't seem, seem like the most stable situation in Texas right now. Not even from a job security situation. I think I think it's more stable like, than I think it's more stable with Tom Herman at Texas than it is with Clay Helton at USC. Right, but you've already started building this at at USC. Sure. Like I'm not saying that you're you're the job from a job security standpoint. I agree. Like I think Texas, Tom Herman is more likely to be back in 2021 than Clay Helton is. But from a all right, I'm Graham Harrell. I have started building out this offense. We had success offensively this year. We've got a lot of guys coming back for next year. I got my quarterback returning. Let me ride this out. Keep on building this, my reputation here. Instead of jumping after one year into another situation that is a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of, that feels like there's a lot of angst around that program right now, a lot of restlessness. Like that seems like, you're not exactly cooling off your 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 seat by rolling down there to Austin. And I think that Graham Harrell's reputation is going to be strong next year, regardless of what USC's record is, as long as his, his offense performs. So I, I don't know. I, wasn't, I, I guess I, when you ask sort of which side of this, I, I look at this more on the Texas side of, uh, all right, you know, Tom Herman made some aggressive moves, getting rid of his coordinators. Now what? Um, I mean, there's also the do you want to work for Tom Herman or Clay Helton? Yeah. I mean, just like that's fair. Quality of life at the workplace. Tom Herman, like, do I believe I, I'm willing to recklessly take steps and surmise that Tom Herman might be putting his hands on your offense a little bit more than Clay Helton has, especially after a year to establish that relationship. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's just a, it just feels like a safer environment at, to, to just do your job at USC right now. If you're Graham Harrell and if you're good at your job as is, um, you don't like you there. Like we're sitting here looking at Texas underachieving and Graham Harrell doesn't really know the guts of why Texas is underachieving from the outside looking in. You know, so often you, you see these coaches that they'll, these coordinators and they'll jump from one job because they look at the roster and man, it looks so talented and it's, this is such an appealing place to go. And then they show up and there's something that's just totally, it's like not that they're sold a bad bill of goods, but like they don't, they didn't really understand the inner workings of that, of that, of that program and the, and the real challenges and so I just think the Graham Harrell, you know, he, he knows what he's got at USC. I, I, I don't, I'm not shocked that he's just decided to ride out, you know, play out this hand and, and see what happens next year. Can we infamously name that like the Taggart quotient? 
the the like the deep seated in like in the fabrics of the carpet issues that you just are never going to be able to know until you get there. Yeah, and like I'm also I'm thinking about um, the other one I'm thinking about that comes to mind is like Bob Shoop was doing really well as the defensive coordinator at Penn State, and like at that point they were still in this sort of is are they going to be able to get to the next level at Penn State? And, you know, maybe he was thinking that his stock was high and let's go see what else is out there. It looked like Tennessee was about to win the SEC East the next year. Butch Jones is looking for a new D coordinator and grass is greener. Bob Shoup jumps over to, uh, to, to Tennessee. And it, it been like, I just think it was the environment there was, was, wasn't as conducive to long-term success as what he had just left. And sure enough, Penn State turns it around. All of a sudden, uh, they're playing for Big Ten championships, and Tennessee sort of starts to decline. And it wasn't, you know, and so I just think like that was, you know, that, that, what if what if USC goes 11-1 next year? Yeah. Would that be shocking? I no. don't think it would. And if they do, then all of a sudden – Graham Harrell, who's you know who's who's getting pats on the back? It's Graham Harrell more than Clay Helton probably. Though, that would be remarkable to be a team that opens up against Alabama and then finishes eleven and one. That's true. Someone was telling me Notre Dame plays Clemson next year. <laughs> like I didn't even, I didn't even know that. Like I'm so, I don't even know the names of the bowls right now. Uh, I don't know who's playing. Tune in, tune year. into our bowl locks volume one coming out on Thursday night. I got some, I got some serious work to do the next couple of days. Um, it's okay that you don't know the bowls. You've got an idea of the teams, and for these early, yeah. I know the matchups. I yeah. know who's playing. I just don't know when I got to tell you the pick for, uh, whatever, whatever game it is, Michigan Alabama. I I I can I can tell you Michigan's playing Alabama, but what bowl are they playing in? The Citrus or something? They're playing in the Outback Bowl. Outback. All right. We haven't had coconut shrimp for free in decades because the SEC keeps winning that game. <laughs> They're the blooming onion. Uh, man, how sad is it that you you were talking about the Clemson plays Notre Dame and they do. It's week two in South Bend. But I'm I like, literally just like someone just told me that today, and I was like, ah, I didn't know that. That's like our uh, that that's the Notre Dame Georgia game of this year. Yeah, Notre Dame gets these, though this that one is less less true non-con and more a factor of the uh, ACC Notre Dame five game scheduling agreement. Um, the thing that gets me is radio hit. Hey, so which of these bowl games are you excited about? I don't know. Clemson, Ohio State, <laughs> Alabama, Oklahoma. I mean LSU, Oklahoma. I, I, I tried to be real against the grain. I was like, the Rose Bowl, because Oregon is going to be in a way better place with a Rose Bowl win than they might be if they had just gotten throttled by LSU. Yes. Very it's, uh, that's, that's a good jump. That's a good um, springboard for that program. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, who, what, and when you need to be watching on National Signing Day next.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so as we're getting into the the teams that are going to be in the spotlight, we know we've got a lot of our usual suspects. We know the players that are going to be involved here. How? How are they lining up against each other in terms of the the race for key prospects in your mind, the race for top number one ranking, top five rankings? Uh, Clemson, as we sit here recording on Tuesday afternoon, is the number one team in the country, though I'm sure that is up in the air at least until uh, a few more prospects sign. So how's the how's the battle for the top looking? I get, let me guess. I don't have it pulled up. It'll be some combination of – Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and come on, man. Well, who am I missing? Come on, keep going. You got the- LSU. There you go. All right. Yeah. You know LSU's in there these days. These days, yes, of course they're rocking it right now. Yeah. Are they getting wide receivers? Uh, yeah, they're getting everybody. Damn. No, I mean this, this is um. I mean, honestly, the the, the interesting storyline with LSU's class is, you know, Ed Ogeron is taking the best 25, not the first 25. So there has been some churn in the LSU commit list over the last month or so, and it, I think, will continue even a little longer, even beyond signing day or the early signing day, as LSU sort of starts, keeps on upgrading their commit list. Um so, you know, I, I think Clemson Center number one right now, at the end of the day. Uh, Jordan Birch, they're actually probably going to get a flip. A kid named Malcolm Green out of Virginia from LSU. Kind of a slot safety. That's one of the, un, the non-dramatic flips that's probably coming on the day. But Jordan Birch is the big one for Clemson. If it can land Jordan Birch, if a five-star defensive end, there's a pretty good chance Clemson could finish with the number one class. Um, it might not land him though. Georgia got him on an official visit for the last weekend. Uh, LSU is is feeling 
confident and his the kid's high school quarterback is Will Muschamp's son and Ooh. he lives in Columbia and South Carolina is absolutely in the mix here. So that's probably the most suspenseful commitment of the day and there's there's a lot of obviously with those teams there's a lot hanging in the balance there if if say Clemson loses Jordan Burst to LSU then I'd say Clemson's status as the number one class in the country by February is pretty tenuous um, but uh, I think ultimately to me it's a bit of a three-team race Clemson Bam LSU for number one Georgia's sitting at six right now as we're sitting here Tuesday afternoon and Georgia is going to make a run Part of that run might include Wednesday, but a a, a nice chunk of that run could include announcements at the Under Armour All-American game. So Georgia's got some five stars teed up, but they may not all get them this week. Uh, You know, Florida is actually in position to make some moves on Wednesday as well. Uh, They're trying to flip a kid from Texas A&M named Donnell Harris, this, this speedy edge rusher. They're trying to flip this nasty defensive tackle that's committed to Alabama named Timothy Smith. So that that could be really one of the real storylines if Florida makes a move on signing day, sure showing signs of life that, hey, we're ready to start dialing in, turning it up to 11 just like you guys, Georgia, over in the SEC East. And, uh, hey, maybe we can prove that we're ready to kind of get into that national championship tier of recruiting. So – I actually think it's going to be a fun day from a flips and surprises and uh, just sort of some drama standpoint. Who is uh, – it? doesn't Texas A&M have a pretty highly ranked class? Yeah, they're sitting there at uh, number five. Okay, so Texas A&M right now sitting at number five ha- was not – did not have a team that this year we would consider – like. The, the Texas A&M Aggies in, the, in 2019 were not bad, and we tried to talk ourselves into them several occasions. Sometimes it worked out, like against Georgia. Wasn't that a lock unity, a UNITY for all of us? Yes. Texas A&M against Georgia. So they were, they were a competitive team, but then you're, you're sitting there in the recruiting rankings, and you are among the best teams in the country. Now, college football playoff, uh, SEC championship type contenders. Those, those teams are often... Those are the ones that I circle where I'm like, okay, if you're Jimbo Fisher, or if you, specifically if you're a Texas A&M fan, you are seeing uh, that you are up in this conversation, which means that you believe that there should be a gap that is closing between those teams that you're at in the recruiting rankings and those teams, the distance between where you're at in the national rankings. Is is it real with the Aggies? Is it like does I understand that? There is there's some math to it, but do you think that the pieces that Jimbo Fisher and this Texas A&M staff are bringing in are the kinds that are going to allow Texas A&M to 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 jump above an Auburn to close the gap? Because if LSU is doing this right now on the recruiting trail with everything they've got going on on the field, I I don't think this is a one season wonder. I think we've got to look at it as it is Alabama and LSU right there in the top spot. And then I would put Auburn probably behind them. But is Texas A&M even on that tier with Auburn right now? And are, is, is the recruiting trail sort of what we would point to to indicate that that could happen? So Texas A&M, I think, needs to, to win next year or we start to have some doubts. 
And I say that because I do think that they are recruiting to the level that you're talking about. And it's a difference. You know, Jimbo Fisher is a different style. It's not like Dabo Sweeney where they're going to get five-star, you know, four or five stars and then the right culture fits elsewhere. Like Kirby or uh, Jimbo Fisher recruits like Kirby Smart. And the way Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart recruit is give me the freaks. Like find me the freak athletes that are big and fast and long and let's make it work on our on our roster. And so they've they've now recruited a couple cycles good enough on that front. And I think this next year, while everyone's coming back, I, I think you will probably see some returning starters not win a starting job mm. because young guys pass them up. So I think we're reaching that sort of point in the Texas A&M evolution. And if if that takes place, and you know, I, I do think they're 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 bringing in the right players from a just purely from a size, speed, weight standpoint that are are, are going to allow them to to take that next step. But if they don't take it, not to not to sort of shuck the blame from an evaluation standpoint, but like then you start to wonder, all right, does is like does Jimbo still have the you know, the right recipe to see is this is, is his blueprint a little outdated for this national title run? I think that there is absolutely uh the the thing that's frustrating is that Texas A&M has the, has what what history of national championship contention? Yeah, I mean this you're you're d- dealing with a program that's trying to make leaps. Well, not in- like why, what like w- there's no reason for us to think that there is some actual ceiling to Texas A&M being able to win a national title, right? Like why should there, what what would the ceiling ever be? Is there something I'm missing? Just, Other than just that they haven't done it? Just that they haven't done it. And just that it wasn't even that. It's like uh, in, let's see, how many conference championships do we have? The last conference championship that it won was in 1998, and that was the only t- Big 12 championship that it won. It won the Southwest Conference uh, a decent number of times, but you know a lot of them were in the 20s a lot of them were in the 30s the modern era of college football as we know it uh you know wh- whatever kind of brackets you want to put on it this is just not a program that has seen elite level of success since the early 90s and in as we've seen most of college football be just with the winners keep winning and even you know shout out to Dabo Swinney little old Clemson well you know what little old Clemson won a national championship in 1981 uh Texas A&M doesn't have that. So I, I really think that it is it is the fact that the national championships that Texas A&M claims are all before World War II. Yeah. But I still like You're right, would, you're right in being the believer. Like right, someone has be to be the believer. Uh, yeah. like I would be curious if there's someone, it's probably a Texas fan. Maybe it's a Texas A&M fan, but it's probably a Texas fan that could give give me the real reason or theory as to why it hasn't won a national title because natural resources for talent money they're willing to throw at it fan base tradition like all these elements are there for like so that it hasn't done it 
isn't a, isn't like a good reason for me to say they won't. Um, but maybe there is a underlying element at play that I'm not as familiar with because I'm not from, you know, College Station. Well, it it certainly isn't uh, something that I'm sure any Texas A&M fans are are thrilled to hear about here uh, at the tail end of our signing day preview as they're scheduled to lock down a top 25 class. And and certainly it's not anything they're trying to make up for. With, you know what's uh, interesting about to, this what? A&M class, just as a, to bring it back to actual recruiting, is it has – like it went to New Jersey to find two defensive linemen. Uh, you know, it went to Tennessee to find a defensive lineman. It, it's recruiting a wide receiver out of North Carolina. Um, Isn't that like Alabama? It's more of a national recruiting effort. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but I don't know. Alabama's in Alabama. Texas A&M is in Texas. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's a. That's a I'm not saying they're going to regret it. I'm saying it's interesting, especially after half of Texas's class last year was out of state and only one player in Texas's class this year is in state. I don't know whether that's a shift in, in, in mentality or, or strategy intentionally or whether it just played out that way. But like, it's just interesting to me that Texas A&M doesn't have in this class a ton of confidence in who they got in states uh, in order to prioritize them. Are you sure it's Texas A&M looking at the prospects or is it also a combination of the prospects and the high schools and how they look at Texas A&M? No, I, I think it's more of, uh, Jimbo of, Fisher staff prioritizing. We're going to go to the, we're going to go find these individuals no matter where they are. Right. Yeah. Let's okay. find the best players, not the best players in Texas. Mm. Um, which sometimes those two are one and the same, but I don't, I'm not, it doesn't, it, I don't think that Texas A&M feels like the best players that they can get are all in Texas this cycle. What about USC? That is a not looking like a fantastic class in terms of the rankings. Are they looking at potentially making a, uh, a jump on national signing day? It could. A, a big one to watch is Justin Flo, who is, who is Reuben Foster reincarnate? Um, maybe with a little less of the red flags off the field, he is uh, a monster at inside linebacker. And he, it looked like he was going to go to Clemson for a while. He's out of Southern California. He is now trending more likely to Oregon or USC. And if 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 USC can win that one, I mean, USC is sitting like 80th in the country right now in the recruiting rankings. It's a smaller class, but not that small. They still got to come up with like eight or nine more commits. And the even the, the 10 that are in are not necessarily guys that I think are typical USC-level guys. So I think if USC can land Justin Flo, that would be a really strong perception confidence booster for Clay Helton. Because that is a he's like a number well, he's like the, the top five player in the country, who has not really appeared to be a USC lean for a while. So keep an eye on that one. If he goes to Oregon, it's just another like it's it's Mario Cristobal 
stepping on the throat of Clay Helton and USC because that kid is going to be really good. And Oregon has another five-star linebacker already committed, the younger brother of Pinay Sewell. Uh, and that kid's really good. So We already thought that Mario Cristobal stepped on the throat of Clay Helton once this year, and now he has the potential to do it again. Yeah, that would be... That wouldn't be a good feeling. No bueno. Okay, CBS Sports HQ. That is going to be your home for all things signing day. The action starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Barton's going to be all over it. He is the expert. It'll be all there from Fort Lauderdale where you are right now. Uh, I might be chiming in from time to time. You should probably watch for all of the hours that it's on. I might be there. Who knows? I'll be ready to go. Barton, you tell him. Put it on your phone. Put it on your desktop. Four hours. 9 to 1 Eastern time. They, they, there will be action. There Flips. will be blood. Flip watch. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.